the Our Patriots podcast, honoring the men and women who achieved American independence and taken from the pages of American Spirit, the Daughters of the American Revolution's award-winning magazine. George Wythe, The Just, an American Aristides in life, a Greek tragic hero in death. Written by Jamie Roberts and published in the January-February 2014 edition of American Spirit magazine. The prominent colonial Virginia statesman George Wythe had a strange morning ritual which he faithfully carried out into his 80s. After waking up at 5 a.m., he made his way to an outdoor shower stall where he soaked himself with a bucket of freezing well water. His student William Mumford said, quote, Many a time have I heard him catching his breath and almost shouting with the shock. When he entered the breakfast room, his face would be all aglow and all his nerves were fully braced. It was with a similar spirit of discipline and order that the brilliant, largely self-taught with became one of early America's finest legal scholars and teachers. A vocal patriot leader in Virginia, he signed the Declaration of Independence and served as a delegate to the Continental Congress. With was widely admired by other founding fathers, including George Washington, who advised colleagues confused by a legal point to simply, quote, ask George With. Thomas Jefferson wrote, quote, no man ever left behind him a character more venerated than George With. He might truly be called the Cato of his country. Even John Adams, who didn't particularly care for Southerners, according to Bruce Chadwick in I Am Murdered, George With, Thomas Jefferson and the Killing That Shocked a Nation, published by John Willie and Sons in 2009, Adams became friends with With. He called him, quote, a lawyer of high rank at the bar, a great scholar, a most indefatigable man, and a staunch Virginian. With was honored by older and younger generations alike. Searching for a title for the distinguished octogenarian who was still feisty as ever, someone had nicknamed him the American Aristides, after Aristides the Just, the greatly respected ancient Athenian soldier and statesman, an intelligent man who spoke five languages the judge had earned the nickname with his well-rounded sophistication, writes Chadwick. After a long life of such achievement, Witt's painful and drawn-out death, likely having been after being poisoned by a relative, is placed in even sharper relief. Though the crime went officially unsolved, Witt died believing he knew who murdered him, but not before getting his own form of revenge. An Early Start to a Learned Life George Wythe was born in 1726 in Chesterfield, Virginia, now Hampton, Virginia, to Thomas Wythe, a successful farmer, and Margaret Walker Wythe, a well-educated and well-read woman for her time. Wythe descended from a long line of Quakers, some of whom were early opponents of slavery. After his father's early death, Wythe's mother tutored him, instilling a love of learning and helping him to master Latin and Greek. He probably attended school in Williamsburg before he began reading law with his uncle, Stephen Dewey, in Prince George County. The 20-year-old With was admitted to the bar in 1746, and he started his legal practice in Elizabeth City County. Later, he practiced with the prominent lawyer Zachary Lewis and married Lewis's daughter Anne in 1747. She died in August of the following year. Colonial legislator, law professor, and beloved mentor. The young widower moved back to Williamsburg, where he was appointed clerk to two powerful committees of the House of Burgesses, Virginia's democratically elected legislative assembly. Thus starting his long resume as a colonial representative, he served as one of Williamsburg's aldermen, acted as colonial attorney general for a time, and served as a delegate and a clerk in Virginia's House of Burgesses from the mid-1750s until 1775. 
1755, he married Elizabeth Tolliver, the daughter of Williamsburg planter and architect Richard Tolliver. The couple lived in a house that Witt's father-in-law built, now known as the George Witt House. Their only child died in infancy. In 1768, he became mayor of Williamsburg and was appointed to the board of the College of William and Mary. In 1779, Wythe accepted an appointment as the college's professor of law, becoming the nation's first law professor in an institution for higher learning. Wythe accepted law students as boarders in his home and treated them as sons. During his teaching tenure at William and Mary, he mentored young law scholars such as Thomas Jefferson, St. George Tucker, James Monroe, and John Marshall, who later became Chief Justice of the United States and established the doctrine of judicial review in the landmark case Marbury v. Madison. Jefferson, who served as his law clerk for five years, called with my faithful and beloved mentor in youth and my most affectionate friend through life. Henry Clay, a law student he taught later in life, shared with With an aversion to slavery. While With had been born into a slaveholding society, it was likely his Quaker roots that compelled him to work to abolish the practice throughout his long legislative and judicial career. Chancellor With seized the opportunity as one of his cases to try to cripple the institution of slavery, writes Colonial Williamsburg in its online biography of With. He ruled that Virginia's Declaration of Rights, written by George Mason and adopted in 1776, included African Americans among the all men born free and equally dependent. They should, With said, be considered free until proven otherwise. Witt's ruling did not make it through appeals. Witt freed some of his slaves during his lifetime, taught at least two to read, and freed the rest in his will. Vocal Supporter of Revolution Witt was an early opponent of the Stamp Act, and in 1764, the experienced legislator drafted a motion to the House of Commons protesting the tax. When the revolution began, Witt volunteered to serve in the army, but at age 50, he was too old. He served the Patriot cause in other ways, as a delegate to the Continental Congress from 1775 through 1776, and as a signer of the Declaration of Independence in 1776. He was absent from the meeting the day most signed the document, but his fellow Virginia delegates left a space so that his signature would appear first. He also collaborated with Jefferson Mason, Thomas Ludwell Lee, and Edmund Pendleton on a three-year project to revise Virginia's legal code and rewrite outdated colonial laws. With was one of two members of the committee who designed the Seal of Virginia to feature the motto, Thus Ever to Tyrants. With resigned from the College of William and Mary in 1789, and he accepted an appointment as judge of Virginia's Court of Chancery in Richmond in 1791. He didn't want to give up teaching, so he founded a private law school. A Painful End to a Life of Generosity now a familiar sight on the streets of Richmond, the much-admired With began the morning of May the 25th, 1806, like any other. After his shower ritual, he was brought a breakfast of eggs, toast, and coffee by Lydia Broadnax, a freed black woman who remained in the household as a paid employee. Later that morning, With fell ill with intense abdominal pains, diarrhea, and vomiting. Broadnax and 16-year-old Michael Brown, a free black who lived in the house as another of With's protégés, also were struck by the same illness. Richmond's best doctors initially believed they were suffering from cholera, dismissing Witt's claims that he had been poisoned. But Broadnax, herself desperately ill, insisted she saw Witt's grandnephew, the 18-year-old George Witt Sweeney, put some kind of powder into the morning coffee after he drank his cup, then saw him toss evidence, a small piece of white paper, into the fire. On June the 1st, Brown died. As the 80-year-old Witt lay in agony, he made a terrible discovery. 
Sweeney had been forging checks against his accounts to cover large gambling debts. Impulsive, reckless, and always in trouble, Sweeney already had been caught stealing Witt's books to repay debts. While Witt's will was written in favor of Sweeney, the ne'er-do-well knew it also included a generous bequest to Brown. Believing Sweeney intended to kill Brown and him to inherit the entire estate, Wyth revised his will, disinheriting his grandnephew. On June the 5th, Wyth cried out, I am murdered. He died three days later. Rodnax lived, but her eyesight was permanently damaged. Remembering a devoted public servant. A grand jury indicted Sweeney for murder, and a sensational trial began. According to Chadwick, the prosecution's case was weakened by several factors. An autopsy didn't use common tests for arsenic poisoning. Physicians gave conflicting testimony. And under Virginia law, black witnesses, whether enslaved or free, were not allowed to testify against a white person in court. With only circumstantial evidence against him, Sweeney was acquitted of the murder charge. He was found guilty of check forgery, but after that conviction was overruled on appeal, he moved to Tennessee. There, Sweeney was jailed for stealing a horse, but no other records remain of his life. According to Chadwick, Witz was the biggest funeral in the history of Virginia up to that time. George Washington's 1799 funeral had been a private service at Mount Vernon. Quote, thousands crowded the streets to watch the procession move toward Richmond's St. John's Church, where Witz was to be buried. Former student Munford gave a lengthy and emotional eulogy detailing his mentor's life of devoted service and patriotism, surprising the audience by ending with an angry denunciation of Witt's ungrateful and, most believed, murderous grandnephew. Despite the sad coda to his life, Witt's long list of contributions as a legal scholar, devoted mentor to young law students, and advocate of patriot ideals helped a new nation establish its own legal tradition. I hope you have enjoyed this edition of the Our Patriots podcast and that you'll listen to future installments, each focused on a patriot who helped to win our independence. I also know that you will enjoy reading more about our nation's fascinating history by receiving a subscription to American Spirit magazine. Visit us at dar.org and search for American Spirit. Consider, too, researching your family tree and joining our service organization of dedicated women devoted to promoting historic preservation, education, and patriotism. There's something for everyone in today's DAR. This has been the Our Patriots podcast, a dynamic duo high five production in association with the Daughters of the American Revolution and Tim Shingle.